And good morning. If you have your Bible, open to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. We're in the, uh, the third part in our series on the, uh, the Gospel of Matthew. First words are very important, yes or no? Yeah, they're absolutely important. You know, and we often remember the first words that we hear spoken to us by individuals in our life that, that hold significance, you know? Um, I don't remember their first words exactly, but I know, or at least I'm aware of the first words that my brothers spoke to me. You know, my name is, is Jason, and uh, the first words that my mo- brother Micah spoke were daydane, D-A-I-D-A-I-N. And I would hear it all the time, daydane, 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 daydane. Every time I left a room, I'd hear daydane. Every time I'd come back in, I'd hear it again. And I finally asked my mom, what is he saying? What, what is a daydane? And she said, that's you. She said, he's, he's saying your name. When he says daydane, he is saying Jason, okay? And then later on in life, he would use that to, uh, you know, embarrass me. Usually in front of a group of girls, he'd call me Daydane, uh, and then he'd usually pay for that later. But he loved to call me that, okay? Well, Matt, my little brother, my baby brother, did a little better than, than Daydane. Uh, he called me JC. And so everywhere I went, it was JC, 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 JC. But that was better than what he called Micah. He called him Geica, so I'll take JC over over Geica. But you know, I mean, I remember, uh, I remember them calling me that very specifically. You know, I remember those, those first words. And, uh, you know, I remember, I, I, well, actually, I don't. I, I don't remember the first words that I said to Bethany, actually, or the first words she said to me. In fact, I asked her about it last night, and, and she couldn't remember uh, what they were either. It's probably something like, uh, how you doing? You know, <laughs> something, something like that, you know. Uh, but I don't know. We couldn't remember what it was, but she said, you know, it must, have, it must have been all right because here we are, been together almost 17 years, and it's, uh, uh, I'm pretty psyched about it. You know, it's, it's worked out pretty well so far, um, but I don't remember what I said. Now then, when it comes to my boys, I know what their first words were, and I remember them. You know, Bethany had just, she's put in all of this time as, as, a, as a mother does with an infant, and you know, you... You, you mothers, you know what that entails. I mean, it's hours of, of being up and feeding and changing and just, you know, no sleep and all of those things. And after all of that hard work, Jackson's first words was, Dada. You know, you know just uh, like, a, like a just poetic justice or something. Dada. Well, then she thought, well, I'll, I'll get Miles. You know, I'm all this time and I'll be with him and I'll put all this extra work in. And, and the same thing, Miles' first word was, Dad, dad. You know, but I'll always remember that. You know, those words are, are, are so important. Words are, first words are, are so important that they, and I, and I said this on Facebook the other day, they have the ability to put up walls or they have the ability to launch friendships that can last a lifetime. You with me? That's the importance of first words. You know, what do we always talk about when we meet somebody for the first time? When we go for a job interview or we go to a church or a new school or whatever, we want to make a good what? First impression. And part of making a good first impression has to do with 
what we say, right? And how we say it, the attitude that we, that we say it with, and we, we convey those things to a person. Um, you know, and, and have, you ever, have you ever been with a, with a crowd of your, your friends, and then all of a sudden there's a new person that gets introduced to the group, and you don't know who they are, but they know everybody else, and so they are completely comfortable in their skin, and they're comfortable being who they are, and so they say something, and you're not prepared for it, and all of a sudden you're like, man, what are they talking about? The person's crazy. You know, immediately a wall can go up, okay? And we can become uh, prejudiced against a person without really knowing who they are. And so first words are very important. Uh, I was walking um, with uh, a friend of mine uh, and, and his wife recently, and we happened upon uh, two ministers that I know, and one of them, his, his, he's, has a very quirky personality, a uh, little bit of an acquired taste, probably like mine, but uh, he has just this, this kind of a strange personality, and he said something right off the bat that just tripped him up, and it immediately put my friend's wife on the defense because of the, the way he said it. Okay, and, and, and they said to me, you know, I don't know that I would ever be comfortable going to that church. Just, and it was all based on a first impression. The guy didn't mean anything by it, but you know, sometimes it just sort of happens that we make a bad first impression, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, a first impression, a bad first impression is not easy to recover from. Okay, they're not easy to recover from. Okay, and, and it, it is a very, very difficult but first words, like I said, first words can put up walls immediately or they can launch friendships that last a lifetime. You connect with somebody and you just have this, this, this deep-seated friendship and you know that you're going to be friends for the rest of the time that you have together. For us as followers of Christ, it is very important, it is extremely important for us to pay attention to the, to the first words of Jesus. The first words that Jesus spoke to His disciples. You know, for the last couple of weeks, we have been in the, the first major section of Matthew where He's sort of setting up the identity of Jesus and He's telling us who He is. And last week, we looked at the, uh, uh, John the Baptist and we looked at the baptism of, of Jesus. Right after that, in chapter 4, Jesus goes out into the desert and He has this showdown with Satan for 40 days after, at the conclusion of which... Uh, Satan shows up and tempts Jesus in three different ways. Jesus is able to, to withstand that. And it's at the end of that, or the midway through that chapter, the first major section ends. And so, it, actually, if you want to back up into chapter 4 and look at verse 17, this is where the beginning of the next major section begins. This is the, the public ministry section of the book of Matthew. And it says, From that time on, Jesus began to proclaim, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And so he goes throughout the, the towns and the villages of, of Galilee. And that is the message that he's proclaiming. He not only does that, but he goes into the villages and the people who have sicknesses and, and demon possession and all of those things come to him and he ends up healing them. And his fame quickly begins to spread. It spreads so quickly that these huge crowds start coming to Jesus. And now as we come to, to Matthew chapter 5, 
Jesus is going to speak the, the, the first words to His disciples. There's a huge crowd following because they've seen what He has done. And you can imagine they're kind of following in hopes of, of, of seeing a miracle. But then Jesus begins to speak, and you'll notice in verses 1 and 2 that he's, he's not so much addressing the crowds as He is addressing His disciples, addressing His, addressing his followers. And so what He does is He climbs the mount a little bit, a little ways away, and He sits down, and it says that His disciples came to Him, meaning they, they left the crowd, came to Him, and he sat down, signifying that he's about to teach. You know, that's what a rabbi would do when he's going to teach. He sits and then begins to teach. And it's here that he begins speaking. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. You see the difference? Matthew points out the crowd. You know, the crowd is there. Jesus moves up the mountain just a little bit. But it's not the crowd that follows, it's His disciples that follow. Okay, Now, it's, it's at least some of the twelve, it may be all of the twelve, we don't really know for sure, depending on who you read. But some of the close followers of Jesus, they're the ones that, that come out from the crowd to listen to Jesus as He sits down. Verse 2 says, Then He began to speak. Then He began to speak and He, he taught them. You know, you wonder what that must have been like to have been sitting in the crowd listening to Jesus speak those, those very first words. Well, fortunately, you know, we've got the, we have the, the record of, of what He said. But you know, you can sort of think through it and you think, well, what, what would Jesus' first words really be to, to His gathered followers? You know, he, he, he doesn't start off with His mission statement. He very easily could have done that. You know, I'm Jesus. I'm here to, to seek and save the lost. Now, eventually, he's going to say that, but right here, he doesn't. He doesn't tell the disciples what their mission is going to be. You know, you're going to go into the, all the world. You're going to preach the gospel and preach my name to all generations. You're going to baptize people in my name, and you're going to spread my message throughout the world. He doesn't say that. He doesn't talk about himself. You know, if anything, he could have said, you know, I'm Jesus. I'm the Son of God. I'm the one that you've been reading about. I'm the one that you've been waiting for, that you've been praying for. I'm the hope that you have been longing for. But he didn't do that. He didn't, he didn't talk about the kingdom. Instead, he began describing the kind of follower that, that he is looking for. And we see that in what we call the Beatitudes. Look at verse 3 and read with me. And it'll be on the screen over my head. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they 
will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These are the first words that Jesus speaks to His disciples, to those close followers, that close band. This is what He says. He doesn't start telling them about Himself or about His mission. He says, this is what I'm looking for in my followers. We call them the the, the Beatitudes. They are Jesus' mandate for His disciples. They're about how to, to live. They were foundational for those first disciples. And the thing is, they weren't just foundational for them, they are foundational for us as well. If our our job this year is to grow in, to grow out, and to grow together, this is one of the places where we have to start. These are about our attitude and about the way we handle things. Okay, We have to be the ones that, that Jesus is talking about. We have to be those people who become poor in spirit, those who mourn. We have to be those who are are meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We have to become those people. Jesus is telling us how to grow in our relationship with Him. And the thing is, it's as we grow in, we've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, as we grow in, that inward growth is going to affect outward growth. Yes or no? It absolutely is. It's going to affect the way we deal with people. It's going to affect the way that we deal with our families and our our friends and our neighbors. It's going to affect the way we approach people who, who don't know Jesus. This is about growing in, growing out, and, and growing together. These things are, are foundational. These eight things that Jesus gives us. You know, there's these, these eights that have to, to do with... Uh, with these beatitudes. They are eight succinct sentences that he gives us. You know, it's it's to the point. There's not a lot to those sentences. I mean, there's not just, I mean, they're not just run-on sentences that go on and on and on, but you realize those very brief statements, man, they are packed full of stuff, aren't they? They are full of power. Okay? Uh, the second thing, there are eight basic directives for growing up in Christ, just as we just talked about. They will help us to grow inwardly. They'll help us to grow out. They help us to grow together. And then the last eight is that they're eight powerful, compelling portraits of a life lived as a follower of Christ. Okay, If we are going to be the followers of Christ, these things right here will be evident in our life. That we are becoming these kinds of, that we are becoming these kinds of people. Christ's first words, He didn't take a whole lot to say, but it was with these 95 simple words where Jesus conveys the essence of discipleship. Where He lays out the the heart of Christianity in in a paragraph. You know, you notice the word blessed in there. Uh, You know, it's it's makarios. You see it up there and it means blessed. It means happy. Okay, so when you see that, it should be happy are the poor in spirit. Okay, the poor in spirit kind of means spiritually bankrupt. And you're probably wondering, yourself, how on earth can I be happy about that? You want to know the answer? 
Come back next Sunday. Because that's what we're going to be talking about. Okay? Come back next Sunday and I'll tell you the answer. Okay? But happy are those who mourn. Really? Happy are those who mourn? That's what Jesus is saying. And again, that's what we're going to walk through for the next few weeks. We're going to look at these, these statements that Jesus made and realize that there's a blessing to putting these things in play into, into our life. The Amplified Bible says that uh, uh, the blessing is to be in satisfaction, in satisfaction of, of, of God's favor. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of stuff out there that can give you advice, yes or no? There's a lot of people that will give you advice. There's a lot of books that will give you advice. The internet is just loaded with stuff, and most of it's all true, probably, right? You know, I mean, it's just, there's all kinds of, of information out there. Now then, a lot of it is really good, right? Okay, now then, if there's ever an earthquake, I'm going to be buried under a mountain of books containing advice in my office, okay? Now then, some of that's good, but there's some of them that's a little questionable, okay? Now then, we know that there are people that love to give advice, solicited or not, okay? But there are people that love to give advice. Here's the thing. Not all the advice we receive is good advice, right? Okay? We have a big Bible, yes or no? We need to know where to begin with this thing, right? Okay? It's, it's a tough thing. Someone wants to read the Bible for the first time, and you say, well, hey, just you know, hand it to them and tell them to read it. What if they end up the book of, Psalm of so Song of Solomon for the first time? You ever read that thing? That'll freak you out a little bit. Okay? I mean, that thing is not rated PG at all. It's not even PG-13. It might be a higher rating. Okay? You read that for the first time. Somebody's never read the Bible. That can kind of, kind of freak them out a little bit. Somewhere to point them is to point them right here. Point them to the gospel. Point them to the message of Jesus. Point them to what it means to be a, a, a follower of Christ. Because not everything... Not all the advice people give is, is good. There was a, um, there was a guy in the, the second century. His name was uh, Montanus. And he believed that in order to truly follow Christ, you, you could not marry, and you had to take a, a vow of, of poverty. We think, well, how could that be right? How, could that, how would anybody follow that? But the thing is, is that people did. For 300 years, the ascetic lifestyle affected the church. You roll on later down the line and there's a guy named Tetzel in the 16th century. And if you're familiar with church history at all, Tetzel was, uh, his time was during the time of Martin Luther. And Tetzel was a fundraiser for Rome. They needed to build St. Peter's Basilica. And so they sent Tetzel out on this fundraising campaign. And what he would tell the people is, if you'll make a donation... If you'll make a donation to St. Peter's Basilica, you can go on just continuing in the sin that you want to continue in. That sounds pretty good, but that's some bad advice. Okay, now that sounds good, but it's not right. Okay, that's called an indulgence. Okay, he would also tell you that uh, if you'll make a donation, you can buy, you can spring one of your relatives from purgatory. Okay, in fact, he had a saying, something to the effect of uh, in, uh, when a, uh, uh, in, the, in, the, in the coffer when the coin rings, a soul out of purgatory springs. Okay? And so he went around and he raised all of this money 
Okay, but that is not, that's not good stuff. That's not good advice that, that he was giving people. So we want to make sure when we're, when we're looking for something, when we're looking for what it means to truly follow Christ, we're going to the Word and we're seeing what it says. And what Jesus says in his first words is, this is what one of my followers looks like. Blessed are those who have these attitudes in, my, in their life. This is what the, the follower of Christ looks like. And so that leads me to my, to my, uh, my growth point for the morning. And it, it's kind of a two-part thing. The first is a statement, and then the second part is a question. The first words of Jesus can change your life. Okay, The first words of Jesus, if we will follow these first words at the beginning of this, really, this first official address, these Beatitudes, if we will put those into practice in our life, They'll change our lives, will they not? You read about what Jesus is saying and you realize He's calling us to life change. Okay? He's calling us to a, to a higher standard of living. Okay? They have the power to change our lives. Uh, but the question is not if they have the power. The question is this. Will you give them permission? Do they have permission to change your life? These words that Jesus has spoken. You see, and this is the growing in, growing out, growing together thing. This is where the, the rubber hits the road. Because if we're really serious about growing inwardly, that begins with us making a change and, and putting our life right with Jesus. And saying, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to allow His words to penetrate my heart. And I'm going to follow these words. We have to give permission to those words to change us. We can read them and be hard-hearted. We can read them and choose not to, 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 to put into practice what is, is, is being said. But these first words of Jesus are, are so monumentally important. He says, you want to know what a, a true follower of Jesus looks like? He's going to have these characteristics right here. She is going to have these attitudes in her life. And they are going to be blessed. They're going to be blessed when they follow me. First words are important. The first words of Jesus may be the most important words that we ever hear. They're about what it means to follow Him. It might be that you're here and you've, you've been following, but you've kind of been following at a distance, kind of a, a marginal follower, following from the crowds. Jesus wants more. Jesus wants your, your, your whole heart. He's asking you to come and, and follow after Him. And if that's you, then these words are, are for you. Right? Confess Jesus as Lord, be baptized into His name, become one of His, his followers. Or, or, or maybe, like, like so many of us, you've been a follower, but you got distracted or you got detoured or whatever, and you're no longer following Jesus, maybe as close as you, you used to be. You're not close enough to have the dust of the rabbi landing on you. Turn back and come back to Him. Bring your life, give your life back to Jesus. The first words of Jesus are so important. But you know what? The next words He speaks to us are so important as well. You know, Jesus is always there for a word of, of forgiveness, a word of compassion a word of, of comfort. Don't go away hurting. Don't want to go carrying a burden that God doesn't want you to take home. 
if we can help you, if we can pray for you, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?